Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. morning, good afternoon, and good evening on Dynamite listeners. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. We continue our journey to Augsburg uh, this week with another special bonus episode. Obviously, it's Tuesday. That means if you're listening right now, this is a fresh, hot episode coming right to your ears. So if you've never listened to us, I would advise you to go back to listen to last week's episode, as well as any time you jump into the middle of a particular series I'm doing, I would recommend you go back to the intro or the first chapter or whatever I'm doing and listen to those episodes before carrying on. It just helps build context, right? And it helps you understand where we are and what we're coming at. Because with this particular series and in in this Lutheran theology that we're taking on, it's going to be pretty complex and there's going to be a lot that come at you with really quickly. And so we're going to go through some more uh, history this week, and we're going to unpack kind of the environment that the Augsburg was written in. And then next week, we're going to actually unpack those articles, and we're going to talk through some of the things that were controversial and some of the things that they had written as a means of like a proclamation of the gospel. And we will get into the meat and potatoes of the Augsburg starting next Tuesday. So this week we're going to wrap up kind of more of the historical aspects and provide hopefully some some context to what is happening here in 1530. Now, if we remember last week, we kind of glanced over uh, the creeds. We talked early on in the episode on the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, and we went through some of that material. And then we talked a little bit about uh, Luther's catechisms, his large and small catechism. I want to, at the end of the Lutheran portion of this series, I want to go through the small catechism briefly. So we'll probably take a couple episodes, maybe one episode for each of the major tenets in the small catechism, and we will work through those. Uh, We're also going to obviously engage in uh, this discussion of the sacraments. We're going to talk about how uh, Lutherans view Christology 
it, when compared to like uh, the Roman Catholics or even the reformers. So we're going to take on that as well. So there's a lot planned in this series. So it is going to be considerably long, I think. Uh, I would be shocked if this does, doesn't go well into 2023 even, um, just because I can't guarantee I'll have an episode every Tuesday, but my goal is to at least produce enough content in small segments to keep your appetite watered. Now, if you're really interested too, you can go back to some prior episodes that we did last year and you can hear, um, Jaden came on and did a episode from Westminster to Augsburg. And so he comes on and he discussed his uh, change of theology from being a reformed five point Calvinist uh, to a confessional Lutheran within the Missouri Senate. Later on, we had Flame, the rapper, come on and explain his story from leaving the Calvinist circle and uh, essentially digging into and affirming to uh, the Lutheran confessions as he studied at Concordia University or Concordia Seminary. So there's all sorts of content that we've kind of littered through last year. And I really wanted to take this series on because, um, as I explained a little bit last week and just kind of in prior episodes, there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to the history of the Lutheran confessions. And really, there's a lot of, in my opinion, muddy um, theologies within the Lutheran camps. And that is pretty evident when we examine a lot of the literature post-Luther. And so if you're a Lutheran, then most of your adherence would be to Luther himself. But there's a lot of people within the Lutheran circles that would look towards Philip Melanchthon and appreciate the softer language that he used. And we'll get into that as we go through the Augsburg Confession together. And they affirm more to his theology than they do even Luther. And so uh, I actually wrote a paper, one of my first papers in seminary, uh, around Luther and the impact that he had in, in the church today. And, and could we still genuinely call ourselves Lutherans? And in most circles, we probably couldn't because most Lutherans have, have stemmed far away from Luther's original teachings. Uh, obviously, that's evident in the ELCA and many other prominent Lutheran uh, senates around the world. They have moved progressive uh, to the left with liberal theology, and they hold to things that are really not biblical. There's other things that are kind of uh, negotiable, and some of the lesser strict senate, or the little bit more strict senates, lesser con- uh, liberal, uh, will have differencing views on some things. Um, for instance, the Missouri Senate is going to end up having a closed communion, which I don't personally believe in, and that's not something I've really ever come across in any of Luther's writings as a closed uh, communion. And so there's these little nuances that, again, uh, can be frustrating. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to Lutheran theology Uh, especially on social media, because we like to take uh, what author A writes about Luther or Lutherans, and we like to publicize that and blow it up. Or we take headlines from prominent Lutheran churches like the ELCA churches and uh, hammer on the fact that they are um, 
you know, having drag queens come in for story time and stuff like that. I mean, obviously that is completely unbiblical. So it doesn't matter what denomination or circle you fall in. That is just not Christianity. So I wanted to take the series on and then I hope it's, I hope it's impactful for you. I hope you learn something out of it because at the end of the day, my goal is to teach you. Obviously I'm not a seminary professor. And so uh, I'm, I am only just a pastor and I am still finishing my master's. I got a little bit left to go, but I have gone through the ringer and experienced this stuff firsthand and it has impacted and changed the way I think and approach the pulpit every single Sunday. So with that, guys, we're going to get into a little bit more history uh, on today's episode as we will um, surely, hopefully provide enough context that can uh, be the foundation for going into the Augsburg. And again, we'll probably come through and, and hit on some things that we may have missed in this particular episode as we move on. But kind of the series outline is history today. And then next week, we'll start with the Augsburg Confession and the articles there. And then we're going to kind of work through the Book of Concord uh, and touch base on the major tenets of that, because that's really the essence to the Lutheran Confessions. And we're going to talk about some of the things that are controversial, like the the premise around baptismal regeneration. I know a lot of reformers who listen to this episode may cringe at that word, but we're going to explain it. We're going to talk about it. What do Lutherans think and how do we adhere to it? We're going to talk about the Lord's Supper and we're going to talk about the real presence within the bread and wine. And we're going to unpack uh, the purpose and, and position behind the pastor. And so we have a lot of things we're going to take on. And once we cover all the Lutheran aspects and we're going to do uh, a couple episodes on the Reformed, we won't go near as deep. We're not going to pull out uh, you know, the, any of the confessions from them. A lot of other podcasts do a wonderful job there. Uh, but we're going to touch base on some of the high-level things. We're going to show the similarities and differences between Lutheran and Reformed faith. And I really am still hoping to get Paul onto one of those episodes to where we can talk through some of the big differences between the Calvinistic view of certain things. You know, we'll probably look at Tulip closer and then we'll unpack that and how Lutherans view a lot of that material. So with that, that's my really, really long introduction into today's episode. But I, again, please go back and listen to episode one. If you haven't listened to it yet, it's the intro to the Lutheran theology Make sure you hear that one first before digging into this so you have a basic understanding of what we're talking about. So what we are now is we find ourselves in 1530. Charles V has, is making another surprise announcement. He wants to schedule another diet. Now, if you don't know what a diet is, it's essentially a political and religious meeting. It's a gathering of the powerful people together. And it's basically like a modern day conference. You come in, they discuss topics that are pressing issues in their, in their culture and they work through and either they come out with new laws or they come out with some sort of new doctrinal position, especially within church diets. There will be confessions that have been written. Um, you know, if we turn back to 1521, we see the diet of worms where the Roman Catholics held a diet in order to, uh, go after Luther's teachings, which at the end, Luther says, I can't uh, renounce anything that I've written. You know, I am going to literally stand on the word of God. And so the Roman Catholics excommunicated him. And that actually plays a role in today's 
episode because you have to understand that he was excommunicated, which means in uh, many of the Roman Catholic held territories in Europe and especially in Germany, if he was caught under a ruler uh, of a particular territory that did not favor Luther, they would arrest him and in some cases may have even tried to execute him because in the Roman Catholic Church, excommunication generally meant execution if you cross back and or break their you know rules or whatever they have they may kick you out of out of the area and say if you ever come back we'll kill you you know, you know all that kind of thing that's uh, a controversy that even surrounds Calvin and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, as we get further so Luther is excommunicated by the Roman Catholic Church however he is still actively preaching in Wittenberg and he's still actively writing, um, continuously writing. And actually what we'll see here as he uh, is kind of stuck away um, from the from this diet because he's not allowed to go to Augsburg because if he leaves uh, John's territory where uh, John's is, you know, the, the governor or ruler over that area, if he were to leave that, then he runs the risk of being arrested and even killed. So in January of 1530, Charles V., makes this surprising announcement. He schedules another diet. This one, they were to meet in April at Augsburg. Augsburg is a town in Germany. That's why we call it the Augsburg Confession, because that's where it's written. Uh, Though the meeting was scheduled to begin in April, it was postponed until June. Charles V. had troubles elsewhere, so he was cleaning up his messes there. But he finally gets through everything and goes on to have this particular uh, diet. And now there were some prominent people. uh, Some of them you may not know if you don't or have never studied German history or Lutheran history. Um, But we have uh, Charles V. present. We have uh, the elector and his son, John uh, Frederick, who uh, makes an impact as well into the Lutheran history. Uh, John, uh, Philip Melanchthon, Johann Ericola, uh, because his preaching had impressed John, Chancellor uh, Burke, and some other high-ranking officials. So this is kind of the core group of people that arrive in Augsburg and set forward this you know, itinerary of what they're going to deal with. However, if you didn't catch it, Luther is not mentioned there. And as I said just a few minutes ago, he is kind of stuck where he is. Uh, he could go as far as Newtonburg, uh, but his, the authorities even there refused to help him. So uh, he will actually be kind of stuck in a castle in Wartburg, and that's where he will actually go on and write commentaries on uh, Psalm 118, and he will write an exhortation to the clergy assembled at Augsburg, as well as many other writings uh, in these few months. In fact, I think this is where he even translated uh, the Bible into German, was when he was staying at this castle. So arriving in the city of Augsburg, the Saxons immediately encounter the first of several disappointments concerning the openness that Charles had led them to expect. Archduke Ferdinand, who had already been such a problem in Spire, had taken some steps of his own to prepare for the diet. Working with Lorenzo uh, Campogalli and the papal 
legit. He had asked the faculty at the University of Vienna to prepare a list of Lutheran theological heirs. The assignment had passed on to the faculty uh, at Ingolstadt. My German is not the greatest, so please forgive me if I butcher some of these. Uh, where it had been assigned to none other than Johann Eck or or Drake, uh, as Luther had called him, which is uh, translated to filth in English. Uh, Johann Eck and uh, or Johann Eck and Luther obviously did not get along. So Eck sets out to portray the Lutherans in the most heretical sedacious and incendiary light possible. It cannot celebrated in the is not celebrated in the history of the Roman Catholicism as one of its greats or even a notable theologian. A controversialist first, last and always he made a career for himself out of his opposition to Luther and the reformers. 16th century popular polemics being what they were, commonly generously overstated, harsh and even a little crude. Eck was hardly alone in his uh, viturations, but he has uh, was not noticeably slowed by the considerations like fairness or even handledness. Since Luther had already, had already been both outlawed and excommunicated, all that remained was to tear his associates to the same brush. So Eck is going to obviously be kind of a stick in the mud, and he's going to... Um, posed to be numerous problems, but the diet continues and they can uh, go through this process of highlighting and illustrating the Lutheran theology that comes out of it. With Luther at a distance, failing diplomatic efforts and other political leaders arriving in Augsburg later in the month, and Melanchthon's own agenda, the final editing of what had become the Augsburg Confession, was an extraordinarily complicated process. Even if Luther complained about the mail, he and Melanchthon corresponded regularly. John's efforts with Charles registered their impacts along the way. As these efforts founded, the Saxons realized that they had to bring others, including Philip of Hesse and, other, and some other cities, into the things with them. So... As we understand this, this isn't just a you know one and ton, one and done deal, and uh, and even still, if you go and look at like some of the Reformed confessions, there's multiple iterations and versions. Um, you know, you can go to the Baptist circles even and, and ask which confession are they holding to. Most Presbyterians are going to hold to the Westminster. Uh, the Baptists are going to hold to the 1689, but then there's other prior ones uh, as well. And there's been numerous confessions written that just kind of uh, sit out there. They they provide support to the major confessions and, and even still some circles hold to them. But with the Lutheran confession, we don't go and turn to any of these other confessions. We only look at the Augsburg. And we also know that there are iterations and changes and modifications and enhancements and uh, con- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You, you can call them confessions because that's what they are, but they're really explanations to some of the more uh, polemic doctrines of the time, things that were highly controversial and trying to uh, unpack and explain why the uh, confessors did such a thing. So the classic analysis of drafting was written in 1976 by Wilmore Moore, Moore entitled Historical Commentary on the Augsburg Confession. This work offers a detailed analysis of the various versions of the Augsburg went through before assuming its final form just before it was presented to the Diet on June 25th. Summarizing Maurer's closely detailed analysis, the process could can be said to have gone on f- through four stages. The first stage began with Saxon's arrival in Augsburg in May and ended May 22nd, with the articles on disputed practices virtually complete. Several factors combined to make these articles his first concern. To begin with, the emperor himself had prioritized the issues. What the Lutherans had treated as local options had added up in his eyes as a major disruption. Further, while there had been drafts and possibly an extended discussion along the way, the Saxon delegation traveling to Augsburg, the document was still incomplete. But still more, the practices involved were ecumenical, t- uh, ecumenically ticklish, among them, communion in both kinds, lay reception of the wine with the bread, marriage of the clergy, the mass, the practice of confession, dietary laws concerning the use of fish, meat, and butter, monastic vows, and the authority of the bishops. In fact, even after Melanchthon's eliminated some of uh, even more provocative issues and applied all of his considerable diplomatic skills to those that remain, Roman Catholic representatives after the diet rejected all of the articles that resulted. And that'll be something interesting too, as we'll get through into kind of the meat of the Augsburg is we're going to see how the Roman Catholics uh, just flat out reject any of this. And, and funny enough, they'll, they'll take this confession. Uh, they reject it though. 
if you could go and say, yeah, they agree with some of the tenants and they support some of the soft language used, but they, you know, will ultimately reject, um, all of the, uh, articles. They will also go on to reject the Cal, uh, the Calvinist, uh, movement and other reformers that were sprouting. And then they conduct the, for themselves the council of Trent, which basically, uh, there's numerous, uh, lines that they write out in this, but one of them basically states that if you believe that you are saved by faith alone, let you be amathetized, which is basically let you be accursed. You are kicked out of the church. You have no business being a Christian. Uh, if you think that you are saved by faith alone, which, you know, is the Protestant cry and it is our, um, battle cry. That is what we adhere to that. We are saved by faith alone. So the completing the articles on disputed practices, Melanchthon added them to the text of the Schwarzberg articles, though he initially hoped to finish the revisions by May 4th so that Luther had plenty of time to make any revisions he considered necessary. Melanchthon did not get it done until May 11th. Luther turned it around by May 15th with the famous statement that Mueller finds both positive and negative. Calling the assembled document a quote-unquote apology, the term for their statement that all Wittenberg colleagues had been using until Melanchthon recognized that it was not just defending Wittenberg reform, but much more confessing biblical truth. Luther wrote to the elector John and May, on May 15th, I have read it through Master Philip's apology, and it really does please me. And I do not know anything that can be improved or changed. And I would not attempt it anyway, for I cannot step so softly and quietly as he. To the comment, he added something of a prayer. May Christ our Lord help it to bear much fruit and much and great fruit as we hope and pray. Amen. The German word that Luther had used to describe light stepping literally often translated as to pussyfoot could also mean in the 16th century to step softly diplomatically in a positive sense my apologies for language if you're offended but guess what i just said a little bit ago that the language used in this time period was often crude and uh, we don't generally go around saying that today uh, or at least in the christian church you shouldn't be it remains certain that while giving the document his endorsement and recognizing the diplomatic necessities of Melanchthon's situation in Augsburg, he was apprehensive about the diplomacy involved. Luther's discouraging of further editorial work did not forestall further efforts to refine the confession. When, work of Charles, when word of Charles's refusal of the Schwarzberg articles got to Augsburg sometime between May 13th and 15th, according to Mauer's calculation, Melanchthon further rewrote the article on monastic vows in the office of the bishop. And those will become two prominent articles in the Augsburg Confession. Though Melanchthon had, uh, and those working with him, continued to finesse some of the fine points well into June, the articles continued uh, con concerning disputed practices and these are uh, Articles 12 through 18, uh, which amount to the second part of the Augsburg Confession, were all completed at this time. So again, there's another stage being done here. So now we have 
the presentation of the Augsburg. And if we go back and review all the ups and downs, we could say that this is really uh, a remarkable situation for these individuals to come to because in many cases we find that there were a lot of disagreements and a lot of tempers being flared. And essentially, this entire thing is just hanging by very delicate hooks. So if cooler heads had prevailed against those tempted to bolt the diet, further finesse was demanded. Lutheran preaching and publicizing had carried the Reformation from the congregations into the public mobilizing support throughout Germany. Given the two confrontations that had already been developed, the authorities in Augsburg and the Diet itself feared an uproar that would break into rioting. So it was arranged that the Augsburg Confession would be presented to Charles V and the Diet itself in a smaller Episcopal palace. The bishop's residence, which had an auditorium-sized main hall, that automatically limited public attendance. The The Lutherans countered with a ploy of their own. The weather being unseasonably warm that June, they knew that the windows would have been opened, so they asked Elector John's voice, Vice Chancellor Christian Bayer, known for his stentarian voice, to read the confession aloud. He did so with such volume that crowds gathered at the windows and heard the whole thing. But it was not enough to bother Charles V, seated prominently in the center of the town, as Bayer read, his imperial majesty slumped forward, head bobbing, sound asleep. If Charles was not impressed, others more attentively immediately recognized the theological diplomacy that Luther had also observed in an earlier version. The Bishop of Augsburg had said that the exclaim, said that to have exclaimed when Breyer finished, this is nothing but pure truth. Centrists at the Diet saw it on a basis of further negotiation, standing in the face of all the efforts to portray Lutherans as sedacious blasphemers and a public threat. Melanchthon and those who had joined them succeeded in getting hearing uh, they sought. The negotiations had followed very close to the breach that the Reformation had opened. So we get to this juncture in June of 1530 where the Augsburg is complete. But it doesn't stop there. It continues. There's more to the story. There's more to the Augsburg Confession than just the articles that were written in this time period. Now we get the apology to the Augsburg Confession. After maneuvering that had led up to uh, Christian Bayer's dramatic declaration of the Augsburg on June 25th, all of a sudden things quieted down. There were no riots in Augsburg, and possibly some of the authorities had feared. In fact, for a while, there was not even a rejoinder, at least officially. But for all the public silence, privately many different hands were at work. When things broke into the open again, various parties had indeed come close to a settlement. Philip Melanchthon's apology of the Augsburg Confession testifies to the failure of those efforts but it also laid foundations for what would become Lutheranism. Less communal, clearly the work of an individual, the apology has from its origins been identified with its author. Both the catechisms and the small cult articles have uh, bear Luther's name and his marks, but they were written for public use and were uh, quickly taken for that purpose. Melanchthon composed the Augsburg Confession for the government 
that were introducing Wittenberg reformers to use as an expo- uh, explanation of the church's position. In contrast, the apology was Melanchthon's personal response to the theological negotiations in the summer of 1530. He worked it he worked on it largely alone until April 1531 when it was publicized when it was published under his name and addressed to the formal defense of Charles V. But Luther's comments made him, uh, moved him to revise it within a few months and a second edition which remained in uh, which remained the edition in use until the 1580s appeared in September 1531 reflecting Luther's input and affirming the fact that Wittenberg colleagues had worked together as a team it clearly exhibited Melanchthon's trademark although particularly the second edition issued in an octavo format instead of a quattro format was the April 15th both uh, which both which bore Luther's fingerprints. The document gained confessional standing among the Augsburg Confession and became the, found, the formational for the emerging generation of Lutheran theologians. It was the first of many commentaries of the Augsburg Confession. Some scholars have argued that the apology uh, already bears that, betrays that Luther and Melanchthon were, were following differing trajectories on key issues in their public teaching. And I've mentioned this numerous times that Melanchthon will end up softening a lot of how Luther taught. Even though they agreed on the major tenets, there are a lot of minor differences. And really, as I had mentioned, and in, in, as I've read through these notes for you today, Melanchthon is essentially where most of the Lutheran faith is based upon. It's his views. And, and we see that because the Lutheran confessions, which, are, which includes the apology to the Augsburg Confession, were written by Melanchthon. And these become the fun, fundamental pieces to the Lutheran church. That doesn't mean we disregard what Luther teaches, obviously, but we have to balance this out well for us. We need to ensure that when we approach Luther, we do so understanding his position as well as understanding Melanchthon's. Now, as the uh, apology of the Augsburg Confession comes through play in the 1530s uh, and it gets revised again in 1580, we will uh, deal with that uh, when we go through the Book of Concord together. We will talk about um, some of these pieces that uh, Melanchthon had written as they uh, try to express and articulate what it was that he was trying to convey in this governmental document known as the Augsburg Confession. So I've mentioned it briefly too, and we're going to get into it when we go through the Book of Concord, the small cult articles, those were written by Luther. So if you read the Book of Concord, you've got the small called articles, you've got the Luther's large and Luther's small catechism, those three documents are primarily his. They were written by Luther for the public and for the church. The Augsburg Confession, as we've noted, it was a governmental document to address and assert what the Wittenberg reformers were teaching. And then the apology to the Augsburg Confession is essentially the first commentary written for that confession. Now, I have, again, in my possession, numerous books detailing um, 
all of the things that happened in this particular time period. And for instance, uh, this particular book I noted last week, uh, it's just shy of 300 pages, the Lutheran confessions, history and theologic and theology of the book of Concord. Uh, this covers all of the history surrounding those, those years from about 15, uh, 20 to, you know, post Luther's death into the 1580s. Uh, even though Luther died in the 1540s. So there's a lot of history here uh, and a lot of revisions and a lot of changes to the Lutheran confessions over time. And we'll talk about that as we get through some of the commentaries and that that I have in my possession. But I implore you that if you're going to venture this journey with me, you can get the Book of Concord um, on for free. Uh, I think you just go to a website and get it, but I have an app and I particularly like it. I don't use it very often, but I think it helps explain, um, a lot of things. It's called evangelical Catholic. Uh, this is what, uh, Luther teaches. And this is what, uh, this was an app actually that flame had originated. And it's got uh, four major pieces to it. It's Luther's What's Faith. And in this, we have the definition of faith. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into some of that. It does have a copy of the Augsburg Confession, the full uh, Book of Concord in here as well. Uh, it's got the preface to the Christian Book of Concord, ecumenical creeds, the Augsburg Confession, the Apology, the Small Called Articles, the Treatise on the Power and Primacy of the Pope, Small and Large Catechism, the Epitome of the Formula of Concord, and the solid declaration, the formula of Concord. So a lot of things. And then it's got some Calvinism rebuttals as we'll actually talk about that um, as we go through. We're not going to try and, re, you know, uh, bash on them. That's not my intentions because, uh, you know, I come from that camp. I have a lot of friends who are still Calvinists. And I want to be very delicate with how we approach things. And I want to ensure that both parties are equally represented. And as you listen to this, I hope that you will just take what is said and continue your research. If you have questions, feel free to DM me on Instagram and I will uh, provide resources and I will try and keep these book notes um, that I have in the show notes if I can. And I'll whatever sources I use, I'll always talk about them because I think that pays great attention to the work that these authors put into the research in these and that I'm able to take and summarize what they've written and re- kind of regurgitate it back for you. Uh, it's pretty, the, you know, this, this book, the Lutheran confessions, it's a pretty heavy book. It is very hard to read and I struggle reading it. It is one of those that you have to read probably two or three pages at a time and put it down, take a mental break and then come back. It's a lot of history and it's pretty dry. So if you don't like dry history, I don't advise you to read it, but if you love dry history, go ahead and get it. It's a great bedtime book. Anywho, guys, that's going to wrap up today's episode. Next week, we're going to start uh, unpacking the Augsburg Confession. We're going to look at the articles and we'll see where that takes us. Until then, uh, new episode dropping Friday on Ecclesiastes chapter three. So make sure you tune into that and I will see you all later. God bless and have a great week. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 